Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views is from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another rousing, partially rendition of the Views from Midstream podcast. Your home. For all the Panthers talk, you can stand and then just a little bit more. The Views from Entry podcast is in your ear holes right now, ladies and gentlemen. Ever so glad to have you. My name is Rob Brown, host of The Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, right in the heart of Panthers country. And of course, beside me virtually, as always, my co-host on that show and this, he is the great one, Lonzo Reitzel and... We'll get into the numbers, the stats, the figures, the X's, the O's here in just a moment. Zo, you had him down 10 with eight minutes to play. And I would love to be able to come in and go, hey, we got Tom Brady. That's the magic of Brady. I, I, I would feel better, honestly, if we could come in and say that was just Brady doing Brady things and we're just the most recent victim uh, Brady didn't do anything magical. He didn't do anything spectacular. He didn't do anything that a lot of other quarterbacks couldn't do. Uh, frankly, we just fell apart defensively down the stretch and he took advantage of it. Uh, as a former NFL wise man once said, we, they, they, they were who we thought they were and we let them off the hook. Carolina had that game in hand and then just fell apart when the chips got pushed into the middle of the table. Finally, 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 the burden is lifted. Finally, we don't have to speculate. Can we do it this week? Can we do this? The burden is, it's it's gone. It's off my shoulders. My shoulders are feeling light, like I could jump to the moon. Don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. Because finally, the Panthers showed their true colors. What we hoped were not their true colors, but we knew deep down were their true colors. And uh, I, I think that they've solved one problem and a problem that I got to say, we have a host on on our uh, station, a co-host on our station, who uh, I saw a tweet that Steve Wilkes has proved that he does. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He proved exactly what I've been saying all along about inconsistencies. Why did the Panthers lose this game, Rob? I know we're going to break it down, but it really comes down to they cannot ex- execute the same game plan two weeks in a row. Knew they couldn't do it. Said it last Friday. There's no way that they're going to be able to do it because 
because they haven't shown that they would, and they didn't. They decided, you know what? Oh, wait, they they Deontay Foreman, they just stopped them. You know what? Uh, we can't run the ball. Hey, let's hit, give it to Sam Darnold and let him win the game for us like he's ever been able to do that since he's been in the league consistently. No, it just is. Thank you, Steve Wilkes. Thank you. Because now I don't have to worry about it, and, and hopefully I'm not going to have to apologize come August when he's at training camp and I have to sit across from him possibly. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's done. I think he's gone. We're going to talk about something a little bit later on about possibilities of uh, of his replacement. But if he won that game and won next week, he probably would have won the job, but he did not. You, you talked about they are who we thought they were. He is who I thought he was. Inconsistent. Seems like a cool guy, but not necessarily a head coach. So a couple of things uh, to respond there. And I, I'm going to – I. I don't ordinarily push back on you very hard, but I'm going to here. That L's on on Sam Darnold. There's a lot of names that I could put that L on. Uh, Henderson is uh, how on many, that How list. many turnovers? How many turnovers? Three turnovers total, two fumbles, and a pick. Um, who's, who's, whose fault were those? The fumbles were the fact that the offensive line absolutely crumbled in that game. Is there is there a disagreement here that that was the worst offensive line performance we have seen out of this unit since like week three? Is there a disagreement there? No, no disagreement. Okay. So the offensive line, a unit that we had really uh, almost every podcast taken a shine to giving them their flowers for performance on a weekly basis had the worst outing they have had since Matt Rule was still the head coach of this football team. It was pathetic, and I've got some numbers for that later on in the pod if we have time to get to them. Uh, Sam Darnold had two or three different plays where a lot of quarterbacks would have been sacked for six, seven, eight-yard, nine-yard losses that Sammy D made something happen. That loss was on a lot of people. It was on Icky more than Sam Darnold. It was on Moton more than it's on Sam Darnold. It's on Henderson more than it's on Sam Darnold. It's on Steve Wilkes more than it's on Sam Darnold. It's on Ben McAdoo more than it's on Sam Darnold. I'm not sitting here trying to make an argument that Sam Darnold's the future. He's not. That we should ride with another year of Darnold. We shouldn't. I'm not making any of those arguments. What I am going to do is I am going to defend a guy who, till the very end of that game, despite getting knocked on his rear end quite a number of times by terrible pass pro from the OL, I am going to defend Sam Darnold because that same butt he got knocked on, he played off late in that game trying to give us something. He put this team up 10 points with eight minutes to play, and the defense absolutely collapsed. And I'm going to tell you that I am I am very much in the air. I, I do not think Steve Wilkes is back next year. Uh, the fact that it was the defense that fell apart in that game, the fact that the offense gave us plenty of room to breathe and to win that football game, and the defense collapsed, if Steve Wilkes wanted that job, that's the one thing he can't have happen. He can't have his defense absolutely fall apart in a game where elimination is on the line. It wasn't the offense that collapsed in this one. The offense did everything they could do 
despite having a pathetic showing from the OL, the defense collapsed, and that's why Steve Wilkes will not be the head coach next year. Well, and the thing is, I mean, you know the guy that Brady's going to throw it to. He started getting that to Evans early. It was working, and then he continued to throw to him, and they did nothing scheme-wise defensively to to uh, stop that from happening. They, they sacked Brady a couple of times. I mean, they were getting pressure on him, but they kept giving up the big plays, and the big plays is what cost them, and I agree. The defense hasn't played up to where it had achieved midseason in a while. I mean, there's still some bright spots, Frankie Louvu and 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 the guys that were making making the sacks and some interceptions and stuff. But but still, you're right. In the end, Steve Wilkes, defensive coach, has his hand on the defense, and the defense failed. But it really comes in. There's, there's failure all the way around. And I get what you're saying about Sam Darnold, and I get what you're saying about the offensive line. What I'm saying is, if you put the ball in Sam to win, uh, hands to win then you, it's a recipe for disaster because he hasn't been able to do that. And if you tell the offensive line, hey, guys, we're just going to throw the ball today. When they enjoy doing the, the run blocking, that's what they're best at. They're not going to play as well. I think it comes down to game plan. They found out, hey, we're not doing what we did last week. And they maybe they just wanted to go home. You know, Maybe they're like, yeah, I don't want to go in the playoffs. I just want to go home. And maybe the effort wasn't out there. Um, and Wilkes has won as many games as Matt Rule. And I know there are a lot of people in the beginning of the season were like, okay, we're good now. We got somebody else in there. He's going to he's going to do better than what Matt Rule has done. And he did not. I will uh I will make this real simple because simplicity is beauty, in my opinion. It's why I'm a big fan of the Eagles, right? The music's really simple, but it's it's well constructed in its simplicity. Uh as much as it pains me, the formula for success for the Carolina Panthers has been evident all season long. You double the amount of runs as you have passes. In the games we have done that, we have won. In the games we haven't done that, we have lost. Sam Darnold threw the ball 37 times. The Panthers ran it 22. A week after the best performance we have seen out of this football team in probably three to four seasons because we ran the ball almost 50 times. We came out in this one and threw it 37 and ran 22. Now, obviously, very late in the game after the Bucks put up 20 in the fourth quarter, and we found ourselves in a position where late in the game we had to throw the ball. That number's a little bit inflated, but not very much if we're being honest. You threw it 37, you ran it 22, a week after Foreman and Hubbard showed you that they could decimate teams, even lined up to stop the run, if the run game was efficiently executed, and we just didn't do it, right? I said on the pod last Friday, and I'm coming back to the defense, the defense is responsible for this, because even with that formula being betrayed by the Panthers, the offense still set up the defense to win this football game and they failed miserably. And we'll talk about that further in a minute, but the simplicity was right there. We got away from it. And what did I say last week when we put out the pot, if the Panthers come out and they follow the same game plan that they put together against Detroit, they will beat the Buccaneers. They will beat the saints and they will win the division. But if, for whatever reason, 
This coaching staff decides, oh, we're smarter than that. We're going we're gonna to outsmart everybody by throwing the ball and going against our identity that was so damn successful the week before. Then we will lose to Tampa on the road or New Orleans down in the Superdome. They looked much better this weekend beating Philly. And we will be going through heartbreak and devastation instead of hope and excitement likely like we could have, should have, would have been. And that is exactly what happened. We went out there. We forgot we're a run first team. We threw the ball almost 40 times and we got beat still a lot of it. Most of it, maybe all of it on the defense, because even with that formula being betrayed, we were still in a spot to win, but we screwed the pooch. Royally, good news, I guess, is we can't draft worse than 16 now. So, yay, silver linings. I wanted that division. I wanted the South. I think winning the South would have been a massive statement that this team was way closer than we thought it was even two or three months ago. And the fact that our coaching fell apart, D-minus, in this game is going to frustrate me all the way until the draft. It really is. Well, it's a good thing Ben McAdoo was wearing that towel around his shoulders because when he goes out and does his man versus food thing and tries to eat as many lobsters as he can in an hour to get that free T-shirt, he's prepared and ready to go. And uh, you know what? He's probably going to get that opportunity pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I think that and, and I've seen the rumors floating around today. I will tell you, and again, I am not a soothsayer. I am not a prophet. I, I, I have mild connections in Charlotte that are kind of giving me a little info here and there. I thought you were going to say you have mild connections to the spirit world, but nothing that you want to brag about. I've got that ESPN thing, though, you know. Uh, I've got some folks in Charlotte that I have spoken to that have told me that Wilkes is less likely today to be the head coach next year uh, than he was three days ago before the collapse yesterday. Uh, I have not talked to anybody who has had a specific name. I have not talked to anybody that's got a specific candidate for the job. We know that Jim Harbaugh is scratch that. There are reports that Jim Harbaugh may end his tenure at Michigan after they fell to TCU in the bowl playoffs this weekend. His name will likely, as he will be for Indy and Denver and whatever other teams are looking for a new head coach, be on the lips of Panthers admins in the front office. I don't know that he is a is the guy if he will be a front runner or if we will be a front runner for him. I have seen some other names pop up. As far as I am concerned, they are all nothing but speculation at this point. But I am convinced, though, Steve Wilkes is less likely to be the head coach now than he was 48 hours ago. And it is going to be based on the fact that a guy that was supposed to be a defensive mastermind watched that defense collapse. That was not Brady doing Brady stuff. That was not some magical performance from the GOAT. That was a quarterback having a good day, just roasting a defense that did not make adjustments and fell apart in the biggest game of the last three seasons, and it's nothing more than that. I think the question is, are we going to get the Tepper who's patient and willing to let things develop, or are we going to get the Tepper who goes, you know what, it's time to go in a different direction, and I think that's the one we're going to get. 
The Views for Mint Street podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, the great one, Lonzo, right? So with you here as we talk. The season's not over. Yeah, it is. We've still got, we've still got one more game to play. It will be down in New Orleans this weekend against the Saints, a game that had we beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, could have possibly been for the division next week, a game that could have absolutely been a primetime matchup and worth watching Instead, the Superdome will play host to the Who Gives a Damn Bowl next Sunday when the Panthers and the Saints both eliminated from the playoffs yesterday due to that Tampa Bay victory uh, will square up in a matchup of let's see the young guys and who's going to be the foundation of these two organizations next year. Uh, If you have not done so, in the midst of all that optimism and excitement, do us a favor, share us around in your social media circle so we can continue to grow the show please and thank you ladies and gentlemen uh you know i've i've i watched that game yesterday i was over in charleston for new year's we took a break from the celebrations to make sure that we were all gathered around the television to watch it uh i I had a i actually had a very good feeling go into it as i told you about six weeks ago i put some change down on the panthers long odds to win the division uh I know we kind of hit on this in in the first segment, and we won't spend a ton of time on it. But like I said, Zoe, defensively, the team just fell apart. In fact, I was checking out some of the postgame quotes from Steve Wilkes in his press conference, and he mentioned the fact that C.J. Henderson had an awful day, and you know that he had an awful day because he gave the old coach speak answer of, I'm going to have to watch the tape before I elaborate. No, you don't, coach. No, you don't. I'm not a head coach, and I watched the tape, and C.J. Henderson got his behind roasted in that game many, many times. Mike Evans is a guy who did not see the end zone since week four of the regular season and put up three TDs. I believe two of them were one-on-one versus Henderson, who got absolutely roasted. Uh, He also mentioned that on that last Mike Evans touchdown, the one that put that thing away for Tampa Bay effectively, that the defensive coaches had called an all-out blitz. They had called the zero-dog blitz. Just send everybody who's not in one-on-one coverage on the outside. He said, we should have checked out of it. We recognized it was passed. We recognized that Henderson was going to be on an island with Mike Evans, who was having himself a day, should have made the adjustment, and did not. Yeah, uh, those are the types of adjustments. Those are the types of calls that I expect an NFL-caliber head coach to see, to recognize, to realize, and to make in the heat of the moment. You take either one of those scores off the board, and we're looking at a playoff entry game against New Orleans this Sunday. The fact that Wilkes hit the microphone, though, and gave a spectacular and accurate critique of the things that he did wrong in that game is exactly why I went from three days ago thinking Steve Wilkes would be the head coach next year to now thinking that he absolutely will not. Yeah, I love, you know, when the coach comes out and says, you know, let me tell the truth about everything and, and be really accurate about how bad we were and call some people out. And think, that means you're probably not going to be working here in the future. So you don't mind uh, saying some things that maybe you wouldn't say before. Uh, the, the 
the one game mentality didn't really work this time. Nothing worked. I, I just, I, I, I am curious about the effort for next week, what it's going to be like and, and how many people have checked out. Cause it, it seemed like they checked out somewhere in the middle of the game. I mean, because there was a possibility the entire time. I mean, we were sitting there watching, and I was telling my wife, I was like, I got to keep reminding myself the Panthers are winning. Because they did – how were they winning as long as they were? It, it kept, okay, we're up by a touchdown. Oh, we're up by a field goal. How is – it doesn't feel like they're winning. And and so when they lost at the end, I was not surprised. I, uh, I'll i be honest with you. I, I, I didn't have – that same feel uh it absolutely felt to me the entire time like this is a winnable game it felt like while it, I, I i wonder if for you for other folks who felt that way though because of how dominant this team was last week against detroit and how it's you know what i mean like if you have a a a, a great steak a steakhouse steak a really good steak and then the next week you make one on your grill that's always been pretty good. But after you had that Roost Chris the week before, you're like, oh, this just feels subpar, even though it's pretty good. I wonder if that's kind of not what happened because of how much we dominated that Detroit game. If we weren't kind of going, you know, we that's what we're capable of. Why aren't we doing that this week? Uh, I thought we absolutely were doing enough to win the game. Granted, it's as much because Tampa Bay is bad as it is anything else, or at least they were bad. That team yesterday, Tampa looked like they were on the same page. A development I thought we'd be talking about in week six instead of talking about it in week 17, but that's another discussion for another pod. Um, I will simply say I think that the disappointment from how dominant this football team was last week to the absolute mediocrity that was for at least three and a half quarters good enough to beat a bad Tampa team. I think it was for me anyway, it was just frustration in seeing what we are capable of last week. And then seeing us do the one thing I was afraid we were going to do and come out this week and go, yeah, that was enough of that. Let's do something different this week. Why, 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 why? That's the thing. That's the thing. That's why as as soon as somewhere in the middle of the first quarter, I'm like, okay, they're going totally against what they did last week. And, you know, if we're feeling that, don't you think the players feel that too? I, I mean, it's one thing to watch and feel great about it. It's a totally different thing to be out on the field. You've been on the field and on the court or wherever and won before. You know what that feels like. And and when you feel like you have a winning formula, when you go out there and you know the coaches have just totally abandoned what worked the week before, I think that has to weigh on you. I think it absolutely has to. And I think that's part of why the 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 effort wasn't there where it should have been. And I just, I, I mean, it was just a, there was an air of, yeah, we're going to do it our way, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, screw you. I don't care if it worked last week. Yeah, I just like I said, I just I I, I don't understand the difference in mentality. I don't understand why we scrapped what made us dominate against a respectable Detroit team. Listen, Detroit and Tampa Bay. As far as I'm concerned, Detroit and Tampa Bay are respectably level. 
at least in their performance up until this weekend, there wasn't a whole lot of difference in caliber of opponent from Detroit to Tampa. Now, as I pointed out, that was the best Tampa Bay has looked all year, right? Especially offensively, specifically offensively, the best that team has looked all year. And even with the best Tampa has looked all year, with eight minutes left to play the ball game, we were up two scores. And it just fell apart. And, and, and I guess that was the other part that really frustrated me was even with that lead in the fourth quarter, it, it felt to me like we just kept working ourselves into spots where we were going up against third and nine, third and 12. Third. In fact, I think Darnold took like two sacks on one possession that dropped us into like three consecutive third and 15s or longer uh, in a spot where I'm going, y'all, y'all know, y'all know Deontay's right there, right? Like he's right. He's on your team. He's right there. He's in a Jersey. He got his helmet on and everything. You just give him the ball. Let him do Dante Foreman stuff. And we might give ourselves a chance here, boys. And instead, like I said, I'm not putting the L on Darnold. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he also gutted out a few plays that extended drives and gave us a chance and had what I believe, I believe uh, his his yardage total was a career high at 341 and three TDs. Um, I still don't understand why the game plan just went sideways and now it feels like every pod the rest of the year starting Friday is going to be draft breakdown and coaching higher strategy. Yeah, I it's it's just I mean you can't put into words of frustration even though we're supposed to about about what happened. And the other thing for me is when you look at how things started the week before, they started out by running Chuba Hubbard not by running Deontay Foreman. Chuba Hubbard was on fire. The couple of times he touched the ball that I recall in this game, he did pretty well. Why not just give it to Chuba and just not get yourself in those situations and give Deontay uh, time to come in in the second half? That's formula has also worked. You, you, you run Chuba Hubbard, then you bring Deontay Foreman in. Then the defense gets some rest uh, because they were flying out there, flying around, looked, looked awesome the first little bit, and then they started getting tired. The adrenaline wore off, and they started giving up those long plays. And it just and, – and it's got to – I mean, it, it has to, as a player, start to wear on you and you go, you know what, we're not going to win this game anyway. I got one more and I'm on vacation. I'm probably not going to be here next year. You know what, I, I'm just going to – I'm just going to halfway do it the rest of the way. Look – you hope it's not like that, but it's a, it's a it's a human nature thing for a lot of people. I I just I can't. I'll put it this way: if you were right, and there's there was any mentality, any attitude for any player or coach in that locker room of yeah, you know it's 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 almost the end of the season, one more week, and then we're free. Or doesn't matter if we go to the playoffs, we're not good enough to win. Like if there was any of that on that team. Uh, then A, I want that dude off this squad. Uh, and B, I don't want Steve Wilkes as the head coach. So I, I, I can't accept that there was any who cares, I'm, I'm ready to go on vacation mentality. Maybe you're right, but I, I just can't accept that as a reality. Uh, I think we got our coach. We, I think we got our plate. And before we get too deep, even though we're 
28 minutes into the pod now. Uh, before we get too deep, I, I do think it is important that we talk about the fact that Mike Evans had a career day, 10 snags, 207 yards, three touchdowns. The guy was incredible in this game. It was tough. It was a tough ass to stop Mike Evans in this game. But while it is a tough ask, it's not an ask that you don't make the adjustments to try to make happen. And when we're late in this game and I'm watching Mike Evans lined up one-on-one with, with CJ Henderson, who was getting absolutely roasted all game long. I'm sitting there going, where the hell are the adjustments, right? Like you're bringing extra pressure. It's not working. It's not getting to Brady. So instead of trying to get to Brady quick by bringing extra pressure from, from Luvu and Shaq and these other guys, why don't we work on pressure sacks, right? Like why don't, okay, let's bracket and double up Evans, take him away. Let's put it all on Chris Godwin, who by the way, also had nine for a buck 20 in that game, but let's put it all on Godwin. Let's make uh, Russell Gage and these other guys step up and bail Brady out of situations. And let's see if we can't come up with some coverage sacks against this guy, which by the way, we had a couple of those late in the game, but then we would just immediately bring extra pressure and let Brady beat us to the outside. I just watching that game was immensely frustrating because it, it, it's, it's like, it's one of those things that I'm going, okay, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And I, I feel like the solution's easy. I feel like the solution to the problem Tampa's presented us with is simple, Right. Bracket the outside receivers, try to get coverage sacks, make Brady work the middle of the field. So even if he does complete it, the clock's ticking while we're sitting on a two-score lead. And we just didn't do it. And there's not much that frustrates me more in football or in life, Alonzo, than when somebody just outthinks a simple solution. And I feel like that's what we did. The Views from Mint Street Podcast rolls on with Rob Brown, Lonzo Wright. So, hey, make sure that you are subscribed to the Views from Mint Street Podcast. Make sure that you have hit that download button every time a new episode uh, drops. And make sure that you have hit that little bell notification icon wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. We'll have another one out on Wednesday where we'll take a look at midweek. I'm sure that we're going to have a lot to get into on that one as the competitive part of the season has unfortunately come to its conclusion. We do have one more rivalry game in week 18 when we travel down to New Orleans to take on the Saints. The breakdown, the preview of that game will be on Friday. Um, We talked a little about the game. We'll talk more about it on Wednesday. I would keep going here, Lonzo, but I feel like there is a big piece of news that has dropped the last few minutes that we need to spend at least a minute on. And being a Big Ten guy, you're going to know, or I think have maybe a little bit stronger opinion on this, but uh, the word dropped a little while before we started recording the pod that Jim Harbaugh very well may return to the National Football League if a job presents itself to him. He may call it a career at Michigan after they got beat by TCU in a phenomenal, phenomenal playoff game this past weekend. And, of course, as Carolina has an interim coach, 
uh, Carolina, Indianapolis, and Denver were all immediately connected to Jim Harbaugh as a potential landing destination for him. Uh, A, do you believe that, Zoe? And if so, what was your gut reaction to Michigan man Jim Harbaugh potentially turning into a Charlotte guy? All right, so first of all, if you don't know this, I'm Ohio State Buckeye guy. I was born in Ohio. So immediately I should detest everything Michigan, which I do, and not want to have anything to do with Harbaugh. But Harbaugh is a pretty good NFL coach. He really was. And he's actually been a good coach everywhere he's been. And when I saw that, I just want to point out that I told you so. Um, When I saw that, my first thought was, okay, who's the best team of the three? What's the best situation if Harbaugh was to come out of Michigan, if he's the guy? First of all, I'd take him over Steve Wilkes any day, any day. Because why? Harbaugh has, is a proven winner in the NFL. Uh, so you can't do that, you know, bring up a college coach stuff. He's, he did wonders in San Francisco. He was really good there, took him to the Super Bowl. I, I mean, you know. So that team had missed eight consecutive playoff years and then went to three consecutive NFC championship games after he showed up. I, I, I'd, I'd say he hit the mark to qualify as successful. Yes. So if you look at, again, you look at those three teams, you don't want to go to Indianapolis. Uh, it's a mess. It's, it's a big time mess, especially when an owner is willing to do what he did and just throw anybody in there, throw Jeff Saturday in there. Again, I don't blame Jeff Saturday for saying, okay, why not? I'll do it. Um, knowing the media attention he was going to get, he did it anyway, not successfully, but he did win one game, which was a, a, a pretty big surprise. And then there's Denver. Okay. Denver is tied to one certain player and that one certain player likes to ride. And that would be Russ. And the thing is, the thing is with Russ though, he's on the decline to me. He was never that good. Anyway, I think the Panthers are a better situation for a coach, especially an experienced coach who could come in and go, okay, if I took this job now, I'd be in before the draft and I've just played all uh, a couple of these guys, including a certain uh, quarterback, CJ Stroud while, while coaching in college. So I'm well aware of all these guys. So I don't even have to do that much scouting because I've played some of these guys and it's a good situation because you know that you have all that draft capital that you can trade out to try to get up to get a CJ Stroud or a quarterback, one of one of the top three or four quarterbacks. I just think it's a, it's a the Panthers are the best situation. There are the offensive line when they play better than what they did this past week. They have the potential to be one of the better lines in all of football. You got some really good positions on defense, including when JC Horn is healthy. Um, he, by the way, is the one of the main reasons why the Panthers lost. J.C. Horn's in there. He's covering Mike Evans, and it's probably a totally different story. But I think I don't have a problem with Harbaugh coming there. I actually look forward to it and be excited about it because I know we get a guy with experience, someone who's been there, and someone who wins. Jim Harbaugh uh, has won at the National Football League level. He clearly won – uh, although not a natty, uh, has performed exceptionally well at the University of Michigan the last couple of years. He does appear to be one of those very few coaches that 
can coach well at both levels of football, both college and professional ranks. Uh, We mentioned it, or I mentioned it a second ago. San Francisco had missed the playoffs eight consecutive years. Harborough shows up, and they go to three consecutive NFC championships and a Super Bowl where he obviously coached against his brother, John Harbaugh, head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The question mark is going to be, and I think Zoe hit it on the head just a second ago, if this report is true, and if Jim Harbaugh is in the market to get back to the National Football League, the first question is going to be, is he the hottest name as a free agent coach? And I I think the answer is going to be yes, right? Like, I think the answer is absolutely. Then the question mark becomes, if he is going to take the Sean Payton mentality, that is to say, I want to go to a team that's ready to be a contender, not start with a scrub unit, make my way up. Are we more attractive than the Denver Broncos in the Indianapolis Colts? Uh, The Broncos is going to be subjective because I think it will be fair if in Jim Harbaugh's shoes, he asked the question, is Russ bad now? Or can I blame his lack of performance on Nathaniel Hackett, the former Denver Broncos head coach, fired before he made it out of his first season, one of only four coaches in NFL history to whom that has happened. Urban Meyer's on that list. No need to mention that. I just felt like it. Uh, or has Russ really declined that much? Is, is, is this on Russ or is it on Nathaniel Hackett? If Jim Harbaugh thinks Russ still got it, I think Denver's a pretty attractive locale. They've got a lot of talent and a very good defense. I can't help but think we've got to be more attractive than Indianapolis, right? Like, I, I think that you saw towards the end of the year the stockpiled young talent on this team, a fistful of draft picks, which you can then say to Jim Harbaugh, all right, either A, we can make use of this to trade up way up and try to get whatever QB you think is the right guy in this National Football League draft, or B, we don't do that. You ride with Sammy D, you ride with Matt Corral, and you draft eight players that you think are the guy. Whatever your plan is, Jim, it's yours to run with it. And I think that, to me, and and again, I've obviously got on silver and blue glasses with an optimistic tinted lens. Um, I got to think that makes you more attractive than Indy. The question mark is going to be, does it make you more attractive than Denver? I yeah, it like does. to think so. Here's the reason why. Look at how strong the AFC West is. You're going to have to contend with, with the Chargers. You're going to have to contend with the Chiefs. Yet come to the NFC South, Brady's gone. I mean, he's gone. And what do you have? I mean, we've talked about this the entire season, what the NFC South's going to look like when Brady's gone. It's wide open. So why not come to a place not only – can you win? But you can win the division for years to come. You go to Denver; it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. As long as Andy Reid is there, as long as Pat Mahomes is there, as long as Travis Kelsey is there, you're going to struggle to win in the West. But you can win in the NFC South. Yeah, no, and look, you're exactly right. We've talked about that. I think the South's a turnover division next year, right? Like I think the I think the chickens have come home to roost for New Orleans. They kicked a lot of cans down the road to try to open a window for Drew Brees before he left. 
to, to try to put together a roster that Jameis could carry. Uh, that experiment didn't work. I think they're about to be in a lot of trouble uh, when when New or, or excuse me when Tampa loses Brady and a lot of spe- a lot of speculation going on right now that whether it is retirement or going to a new team, potentially going back to New England, uh, whatever the 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 reason would be that Tom Brady is gone from Tampa at the end of this year. And as I've mentioned many times, that while they've got a lot of young, good talent, I will believe in the Atlanta Falcons as an organization when they give me a reason to, which which they never have. Um, the NFC West is probably open for the taking next year. And I have been saying this since about week three of the season. If next year is a turnover division, the NFC South, if it is a turnover division next year, I genuinely, truly, honestly, as an analyst, not a Panthers fan, believe that the Panthers are the best team set up to make a strike at that division. And if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're asking, do you want to come in and play in the AFC South right now with a Texans team that's likely getting a new coach next year, uh, with a Titans team that, at seven and nine is maybe the most disappointing team in the national football league. And a lot of people expect to bounce back with Mike Vrabel squad next year. And with a Jaguars team that may very well be plus on the right side of 500 with a much improved Trevor Lawrence next year. Or do you want to come to a Tom Brady less NFC South where the saints as an organization are on fire and the Falcons are the Falcons with potentially the most talented young roster and a fistful of draft picks to work with, I got to think that makes us the most attractive landing destination for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, But again, all of this speculation on, is he really going to leave Michigan? Remember last year, he left Michigan to go do an interview with an NFL team. And then he was like, nah, I'm good. I'm coming back to be blue and maize. Could that be the case again? I don't know. What I do know, what I do believe at this point, though, is that whether it's Harbaugh or somebody else, I do think we will have a new head coach next year that is not named Steve Wilkes at this point. Yeah, but and the other thing this year, I believe that was not like uh, last year. This year, there are more openings. And more openings means a better chance to negotiate, a better chance to get more power, whatever it is you want. I guarantee you, that if he is available and that the rumors were out there, they're true that he was available, that all three of those owners were on the phone talking to him already. Like the next day after he was done. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I I, I can't imagine uh, Jim Harbaugh's little red number on his text inbox on his phone isn't in the hundreds uh, by the end of today. But, We will find out, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen some other names attached uh, to potential coaching searches. I am not going to say them because I think they are, as of right now, not much more than unbased speculation, and I'm I'm just not going to get into that at this point. Um, What I will ask you, and then we'll cut it off and get back to this conversation on Wednesday, Lonzo, how involved, how hands-on do you want David Tepper to be in this decision-making process? Or should this be the first coaching hire that he goes, I'm going to let the football guys make this decision? Well, I I think uh, in a perfect world, you would say he needs to let the football guys 
you know, make the decision. But when it comes down to it, when you're that rich, you and I don't know about that. But when you're that rich, you are used to being hands-on. He seems like a hands-on kind of guy. Um, there's no way he's not involved. We're going to find out, ladies and gentlemen. Lonzo, we've got another episode coming on Wednesday. I'm sure we will have some more breaking news between now and then to drop. So before we get out of here, any final words for the people? Uh, be happy the burden is lifted. You no longer have to worry about the possibility. Now you can look to the future, and there's nothing wrong with looking to the future when the future has the potential to be very, very uh, bright. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here, but the 2023 season is just days away, right? Right? Question right. mark? Our draft predictions start on Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll have a new episode for you, so make sure you are subscribed to and have notifications on for the views from Mint Street Podcast. We hope you all had a phenomenal New Year's celebration, and we look forward to riding through 2023 with you talking Carolina Panther football right here on the views from Mint Street Podcast. Keep pounding, baby!